All right, have you got your Bibles? Turn with me to Ephesians 1. Let's get our gospel track shoes on and let's get going. Um, for those that were, um, we did um, on the glorious day out, we uh, talked about our, we shared who our elders were and um, our core team and um, and last week we had Steve actually sharing about the New Heart Festival and I just really encourage you, that's just going to be a fun night on the 15th of just uh, at Lillardale Lake, we're just going to be down there and he's, we're going to do the silent disco and um, we're just going to hang out. It's, we're not promoting it as an event, we're just hanging out as a church family and just we happen to be doing outreach while we do that. And, um, and so just gonna, he's going to bring about 100 headphones hopefully down and if you just want to have a rave and share the gospel while you do it, then that's, that's awesome. And, um, but we shared out, we, a couple of weeks ago, it was a month ago now, wasn't it? Far out. Time flies. So we had the glorious day out and we shared our elders and who our elders were and um, core team. And there's going to be a, an, um, just another email going out. If you're actually not on our MailChimp or email list and you want to be, a few of you are like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. Um, then please come and see us or and we'll get your email and we've got to figure out a better way to do that. But someone can help me with that. Um, and so uh, we'll send an email about what's coming up next year, what's happening in January, and um, things like that as well. So I encourage you to do that. But And then we were away, Dave and myself and Sam, and who else was away? Gnomes, and a bunch of us were away for two weeks. We went to Isla Vista worship. Uh, Chris Sam led worship there, and um, uh, we hung out with Graham Cook for an afternoon, which was just fun, if anyone knows Graham Cook. And then... Um, we were at Bethel for a week and at their leaders' conference, and we got to spend some time with Eric Johnson and, and a bunch of the guys there and just pick their brains about what God's doing um, around the world and, and what, what he's really up to. And um, anyway, while I was over there, uh, this, there is a reason for me sharing this. So while I was over there, I really felt on my heart for us as a community that we would draw a line again in the sand of... Um, of, of really fighting for the goodness of God. And we sang about it all this morning, um, of the goodness of God. And I really believe it, it's the absolute, um, you know, pivotal thing that we have to understand. I mean, it's not his judgment that brings us to repentance. It's his mercy. It's his kindness. Yeah. And so um, I really want to go after this again and talk about something that, even in our circles, even in, in the, this, you know, our church and even in, in churches that we're connected with and, and um, I, I still hear language and language is really important and that, that is like, oh no, like, oh, this is God's will for my life or this is God's allowed this to happen and take place and it's like, oh no, there's a big difference between God is in control and God in charge. Alright, God is, I'm in charge of my family, but I'm not in control of everything that happens with my kids. Yeah? If God is in control of everything that happens, and I know probably no one in this room would believe this, but um, if God is in control of what everything that takes place, then we have to say that, well, he allowed, he caused sin to come into the world so he could kill his son and redeem humanity and cause the destruction that has taken place and it's like well I just I don't read that in in my bible well that was a nice intro hey <laughs> um so go with me in Ephesians 1 are you there are you there are you all are you awake all right <clears throat> hey gorgeous girl Ephesians 1 You know, we really, um, Shen and I have been talking a lot over the last week because um, I was away for two weeks, so we're making up on lost time. And, um, and we really feel, we'll get to Ephesians 1, don't worry. We, we really, um, we feel like, uh, does anyone here know who the Helsers are? Jonathan, David, and Melissa Helser. Does anyone heard? No Longer Slaves to Fear, uh, Raise a Hallelujah, those songs, those guys wrote those songs. Um, and Melissa Halser was talking about a tree. She was talking about um, 
there's this type of orange tree and uh, the orange tree for two years would grow and it would bear fruit, but they would pick the fruit off and they wouldn't use that fruit and they wouldn't allow the tree to go um, bear more fruit because if that tree just grew and bore fruit at that rate, it would only last sort of 10 to 15 years and then the tree would die. But what the tree was learning at two years old was learning how to, if you take the fruit off, it learns for its roots to go deeper and then the tree can last 50 to 100 years or whatever, like a longer, longer time because the roots start to go deep as opposed to producing fruit all the time and then the fruit can last longer. And I really feel like that's a prophetic picture for our church right now. We're almost two years come February. And however old Isla is, is however old at this church will be. All right. And so um, we planted and then a week later she was born. So it's, um, I don't know if I recommend that again. But anyway. Um, so, but we really feel like this church is in a season of going deep and we, um, we want fruit, that we want the fruit, but we want fruit that will be long-lasting. We don't want fruit that's, oh, well, it dropped off and then it's not, it's not um, there's no depth to it. It's just no, this, the tree doesn't um, have a lot of depth and it just gets tossed and, and thrown by every wind of doctrine and, you know, all of those things. And so we're really going after depth of doctrine, depth, depth of encounter, depth of um, time with the Lord, depth of knowing each other and, and knowing God, and, and then actually being a light out in the world around us. I mean, if we keep this thing contained, then it's just not even worth doing it. And so, um, all right, so this is one of the pillar truths I believe that we need to just get revelation on. And how many know revelation is not given? Uh, revelation is not earned. It's given. You don't earn revelation. It's not like, you know, Peter said, uh, when Peter said, you're the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus said, oh, my, your, your, my Father has given you that revelation. You receive that from God. You remember that verse, Matthew, Matthew 16? Who do people say that I am? And he says, you're the Son of the living God. So revelation is, is given. It's not something we earn and something that we can like read our Bible. I mean, those things will help. But revelation is revealed from the Lord. So, bless you. Give me food later. All right. Verse 1. Blessed be, uh, sorry, verse 3, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Now, I want you to notice something here. I'm going to read a bit of portion of Scripture. I'm going to probably read maybe a couple of chapters. We'll skip a little bit. But I want you to notice the language that Paul is using here to distinguish predestination. Yep, we're going to talk about it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Lazy Sunday morning. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us. I am deliberately doing this. In the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him... All right, pause there for a second. Who's Paul talking to? Don't say us because he's not talking to us. <laughs> he's talking to the Ephesian church, which, which right, he's, he's making a distinction about Jewish covenant and Gentile covenant, right? This becomes very clear. So now the next verse, so he's mentioned us a number of times. Who's he talking about? He's not talking about the Ephesian church. He's talking about the Jews. 
He said, we have been predestined, we have been adopted, we have been called, we have been da-da-da, in us, in us, we have all the promises, the promises are for us. He's talking about the Jews. I'm going to show you in a second, right? So verse 13, in him you also, do you see the distinction? Now he's talking to the Ephesians church, which are Gentiles. Ephesians church are not Jews, they're Gentiles. So he's like, okay, now I'm going to talk to you. So he's like, in him you also, when you heard the word truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, And then he goes on, we won't read verse 15, um, and we'll, go to, we'll skip to chapter 2. Verse, chapter 15, uh, verse 15, for this reason, it's the apostolic prayer um, talking about, you know, every, above every rule, every principality, every name that is named and put all things under his feet and he gave him his head over all things to the church. And now chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of that is now at work in the sons of dis- disobedience among whom we all once lived. So now he's making it corporate. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, prepared, uh, prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Now listen to this. Therefore, remember that once time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Who are the uncircumcised? Gentiles, circumcised are the the Jews. Um, Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing, dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to who were far, which is the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, which is the Jews. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. All right. There's a bit in there. Boop. In summary, Paul is saying, listen, there was a promise and a predestination of the Jews to have the Messiah. He's like, this is a promise of God. We have been predestined. And then he, I think it's 11 times he mentions us, 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 us. Then he goes, oh, actually, just so you know, I'm not just talking about the Jews. You also now have been grafted into the Commonwealth. You have been, prom- you have been grafted into this promise that is now... The hostility that was between the Jews and the Gentiles has now been broken down. There's no longer two people. There's now one new man made in Christ. And the law that was there, he says that he killed that hostility. He killed it. I mean, this is violent language that Paul uses. It's like he destroyed the hostility that was there. And you say, what has this got to do with the sovereign? What has this got to do with the sovereignty of God? Everything, because. If we believe, if we believe that God, now I'm going to backtrack and tie this in hopefully. If we believe that God is in absolute, so I'll be a theological nerd for a second. Can you, can you stick with me? So there's this thing called absolute sovereignty, 
which it believes that the top that you're wearing this morning, was you didn't have a choice in it. God, God's chosen that top for you. That's like absolute sovereignty. So everything that happens from um, you walking out the front door, you getting up in the morning, the top that you've got on, the breakfast that you eat, it doesn't matter what you decide, it's the will of God for that to take place. That's what we, people would call absolute sovereignty. Now, I want to preface this so you all don't throw stones. Do I believe that God is sovereign? Absolutely, 100%. But not in the sense that God is in control of everything that happens on our planet. The word sovereign in the King James is actually nowhere to be found at all. There you go. So what they use instead is ruler, lord, um, majesty, and it is always referring to him as king or lord or ruler. Much like the queen is the ruler or the monarchy of England. But she's not in control of everything that happens in England. She is in charge, but she's not in control. My Bible says that he gave the earth to the sons of men. This is really important because if we, if we think that God is in control of everything that takes place, then it makes things like sickness and things like, like um, Liz is going over to eradicate, very hard to eradicate if you think God's allowing it for his glory. We, we're living in a world right now where truth is experiential. Well, my truth is not your truth and your truth is not my truth. And it's like the scriptures say that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And it says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Like that is a promise from the Lord. Either that's real or it's not. There's no ambiguity. There's no gray area in that. It's, it's, that's 100%. Either that's true or we're all delusional. Like... Either the sun sets us free or he doesn't set us free. So, oh, well, Liam, why am I experiencing freedom? Oh, I've got, I've got sickness or I've got anxiety or I've got this thing going on in my life. And it's like, yep, that's true. But it's, God, hasn't, God hasn't allowed it and he hasn't caused it for, you to be, for him to be glorified through it. That's why Romans 8.28 says he works all things together for good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose, whom he foreknew, whom he predestined. Right, So you can't have God giving sickness and then Jesus healing sick people. You have a house divided. Okay? So you can't have God saying sin is, is bad. And in uh, 1 John 1.5, does anyone want to quote it for me? No, it's not it. That's close, but it's not it. Whoa. Hello. 1 John 1 5. Go there with. Oh, I've got it here. I'll read it to you. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. Man, oh, guys, this is. This is so important because. There's still people today, they're like, oh, well, I'm sick or I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I have no finances or I've got anxiety or whatever. Or my, um, I don't know. You fill in the blank of whatever it is. And they're like, oh, well, God's just teaching me a lesson. What? I wouldn't trust that God. But let me just make sure you understand. It's not in Scripture. There's nowhere in Scripture in the New Covenant in the life of Jesus because how many know Revelation is progressive? And I, 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 let me explain what I mean by that. When Job 
had an understanding of God, he believed God caused the things that happened to him to happen to him by God. But he didn't have a very good understanding. If you study it out, and I don't have time, but in the Old Testament, there's only a few times that has Satan or Satan or the devil is mentioned. I, th- I think it's only maybe six or seven times that he's mentioned in, this, in the Old Covenant. So they didn't have a un- very great understanding of there is a dark world and there is light. There is a devil, there is a domain of darkness, and there is a kingdom of light. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, oh, it's the devil's job to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's my job that you have life and life to the full. So he makes this distinction of a domain of darkness and a kingdom of his beloved son. Did you know it's a domain of darkness, not a kingdom? It's a domain, and then there's a kingdom. It's not a fair fist fight. Right, So Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, oh, we're going to cast out demons. We're going to cleanse lepers. The sight are going to receive, um, the blind are going to receive sight. Uh, I, I think I shared this here. Did you know that there's no um, blindness being healed in the Old Testament at all? Never. Until Jesus arrives on the scene, it's a messianic miracle, blind seeing, uh, blind eyes opening. That's why, that's why when John comes to him and is, is in prison and John says, are we, should we wait for another one or, or are you really it, Jesus, or should we wait for another Messiah? And he says, go tell John that the blind receive sight, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the dead are raised. John would have known that is a, is a messianic promise of the Messiah coming is that Isaiah 61, they will give recovery of sight to the blind. Oh, this is so good. So that means that blindness, sickness then, if you have God giving sickness or God allowing this to happen or God causing this to happen or God ordaining this to happen to teach you a better lesson, it's like me bashing my daughter and saying, don't worry, she'll love me through it. We would put people away for child abuse for that in our world and we think that's God. That's not God. He said... I mean, why would he say, bind what is bound in heaven, loose what is loosed in heaven? Like, loose on earth what is loosed in heaven, bind on earth what is bound in heaven. What are you binding if God's ordaining it? Like, what are we doing here? Don't pray. Don't wear armor. Because maybe God's just allowing something to take place. You don't want to mess up God's will for your life if you're sick and he's allowing something to happen. Do not pray. I'm being sarcastic if you don't. If you don't know me. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, it's, it's the, the devil and our lack of knowledge and people, our, our, I'm saying our is in the world. I'm not, I'm not causing blame or guilt or shame or anything like that, right? But our ignorance, our lack of knowledge, people perish for a lack of knowledge. It's, it's like, and the devil and the, we, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers in heavenly places. They're real. They're real. It's a real fight. It's a real thing that's taking place. And I, I, um, when we were in America, I was intrigued by this word, and I've been studying it for the last three weeks. That word principality and powers can be translated the word origin. It can be translated the word origin. And it's, it's, an, it's actually a spirit. It's a principality. It's an origin spirit. That's why you can have very, very intellectual people that can say the world was caused by a big bang and not by a creator because it's a spirit behind it that is an origin spirit. It's an origin. It's a beginning spirit. And that spirit tries to remove the existence of God. Did God really say? It's the first question that gets asked but to Adam and Eve. Did God really say? But if we have a mindset that, well, I don't know who God is. I don't know what he's like. He's just, you know, he's like a shadow. If I was to look at Josh's shadow, I can't really tell what Josh is like. I might be able to tell he's, I don't know, 5'9". He's well built. Well, maybe I won't even not be able to tell that. Like I might just, well, he is handsome, but I might not be able to tell that he's handsome from a shadow. So the Old Testament refers to God as a shadow. Everything was a shadow of things to come. 
Abraham sacrificing Isaac was a shadow. Moses out in the wilderness, it was a shadow. Everything, Noah, the flood, shadow of baptism. It's a type and shadow of things to come. But when Christ comes, Colossians says, he's the substance. He's the actual substance of God. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He's the exact representation of Father. In the last days, you heard it through the prophets. In these days, you hear it through my son, who is the exact representation of God. Okay, so now we have a picture of what God's like. Finally, we have a picture of what the fullness of God is like. He's like Jesus. So if you find something in the life of Jesus, sorry, let me rephrase it. If you find something in the life of God and you want to call it God, you have to find it in the Son. And if you can't find it in the Son, don't call it God. There's a guy, I mean, bless him, Israel, bless Israel Falau. I'm praying for Israel, hey, like bless that man, like he's, he's taken a stand for things. The fires aren't God's design. They're not his will because of abortion. That doesn't make sense in the nature of God. How many storms did Jesus bless? None. How many hurricanes did he send Jesus? He even rebuked his own disciples. They said, we're going to call down wind and you know, fire and brimstone on these guys. He says, hey guys, you don't know what spirit you are of. Because they were a part of the spirit of Ephesians 2, Ephesians 1. They were the spirit that was working in the sons of disobedience. He brought a new covenant. It's a new one. <laughs> It's different. It's new. It's a new kingdom. And he's called us to bind what is bound there and loose what is loose there. It's very hard to do when we think our Heavenly Father is the one that's causing it, allowing it, or giving it. Now, I know no one in here would think that way. But it makes it very easy then to fight when we have a clear picture of what God's like. You know, Chinese whispers is, is just that fun game that we all play at school. And by the 20th person, it's like some gibberish and it was some normal sentence. And that's what sometimes has happened in the church is we've Chinese whispered what God's like. When we actually just go, if you go back to the original source, you go, well, hang on, who's the original? Jesus is the original. He's the standard. He's the standard worth fighting for. He's the standard worth following. He said, imitate me. You know, follow me. Paul said, imitate me. But Jesus said the same thing. (laughs) And so our example to follow is Christ. I mean, sickness is just like... I just hate sickness. I, I believe there's two theologies in the body of Christ in Australia that if we can, or maybe three, that if we can get a, a grip on and we can fight for these to be one, I think we'll see incredible increase in the kingdom of God advance here. I believe it's to do with finances, it's to do with honour, and it's to do with the goodness of God. I believe those three are significant. Getting back to that origin spirit. I know I've... It's why people can call a baby not a baby. Very intelligent people. Because it's an origin spirit. If we don't rise up and let the light shine, then someone else will. And we've been given all authority, so that means somebody has no authority. Not the government, not your boss. (laughs) We have all authority in Christ. We've been given all authority. And this spirit is an origin spirit. And and, um, Chris Valentin, he, he talked about, he said, there are a bunch of people 
who you're trying to take land and you've got to stop taking land and take the principalities and powers of the air. If you take the air, you'll win the land as in a strategic battle. If you have, if you have a gunman on snipers and you've got the helicopters and the planes, you'll win the ground. Yeah? And I really believe that it's, it's, if we take the principality and the power of the air through prayer, through, through being light in our world, through showing the goodness of God, the kindness of God in our everyday lives, we'll see drastic, drastic changes take place. But we've got to learn to fight. We've got to learn to fight from a place of victory, not out of a place of lack. There's something about contending I don't get it, I'll be honest. I don't fully understand how it works in the spiritual realm and in all that sense. But I, I do know this. There's something about I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I won't bend until I see this thing move. And I'm, I just, I've had enough of, I've just had enough of cancer and enough of depression and anxiety and these things in our, in our world. I've had enough of them. He paid blood. He said, I've, I'm going to pay by my stripes. You're going to be healed. He, he drew a stand. He said, the old is gone. The new has come. He said, I've brought my kingdom with me. And this is what it looks like. You've got leprosy. Now you don't. You've got blindness. Now you can see. You're dead. Oh, I'm going to resurrect you. You're poor. You've got a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. Hey, let's give thanks for that and watch what I can do with those little things. I mean, the stories that we're hearing over, over in America that we were hearing, one guy got given $98,000 in two years. Given. 70 grand, piece of cake for the Lord. Piece of cake. He took, he took two loaves and, and, you know, a couple of loaves and some fish and he fed 5,000 people. I, I want us to stretch our faith that we start to contend and fight from from that God is a good God and he's not out there, this puppeteer pulling strings so that he, hear me, hear me out. God, right? C.S. Lewis said it best. When, when the author comes on the stage, the show's over. Right? God can come in, do whatever he wants. Psalm 115, sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases. Right? God can show up, he can do whatever he wants to do. I'm all for that, right? But we actually know what he's like. We know his goodness. We know his kindness. He's so much better than you think he is. He's like, oh, he can't be that good. No, he is that good. But our experience doesn't dictate truth. Truth dictates our experience. Jesus is the truth about God, not your experience or my experience. Jesus is the exact representation of God. So Matthew 17, we have the disciples. They pray for the epileptic boy. We know the outcome. So now we can cheekily say, well, we knew it was God's will to heal. Well, they didn't know that. They pray for the epileptic boy and they turn to Jesus and they said, they said Jesus, why couldn't, we, why couldn't we do this one? But when Jesus prays for the epileptic boy, the boy gets healed. So let me ask you the question, church. Was it Jesus' will to heal the boy? But when they prayed, it didn't happen. We've got to be careful that we don't change we don't change God based on our experience or lack of experience and and not change our theology to to suit our convenience because of a lack of something not taking place as opposed to going okay I didn't see it happen I'm going to fight because I know it's your will to heal because Jesus modeled something for us go well in basketball boys um Jesus modeled a standard that we can fight for. Okay. Let me let me throw this verse at you. It's the will of God that none should perish but that all should come to repentance are people perishing 
Is it God's will? Okay. He's given the earth to the sons of men. That's you and I. I sometimes, I sometimes think there's this mentality in the church that we're like, oh, I just hope that you know, God does something good tomorrow. He is good. He's prepared good works beforehand before, with, for us that we would walk in them. He has nothing but goodness for you. Nothing but goodness. Do I believe in discipline? Absolutely. He disciplines those that he loves. I discipline my kids because I'm not, I don't want to be 45 and talking to a four-year-old. I want my children when they're 25, I want them to be adults that I enjoy to hang out with. <laughs> but I don't discipline out of punishment, I discipline out of them out of love. When we discipline out of punishment, it's fear. When we discipline out of, out of love, it, it brings correction. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cutting off my daughter's arm and going, well, you better you know, worship me or do what I say and now, that, now I'm going to go heal you. You have a house divided. I would be ticked off if I was Jesus paying for sin, sickness, poverty, everything on the cross. And then you have God giving these things and allowing these things to take place. And you have a house divided. So it's the will of God that none should perish, but people are perishing. And I, I would like to suppose that sometimes we have this thing of like, well, I hope that this happens, or I hope that God does this. We don't say that about our workplace. Oh, I hope that well, I show up to work tomorrow. And we get up, and we do something about it, and we go to work. And we arrive on time. And we're there. And we show up. I'd like to propose that God has given us the keys of the kingdom back and he's given them to us. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, earth is loosed in heaven. And that verse is translated the best way is whatever is loosed in heaven, you have permission to loose on earth. Whatever is bound in heaven, you have permission to bind on earth. So is there sickness in heaven? Okay, so there shouldn't be sickness on earth. We all, I could ask everyone in this room who's had a sick person, they've prayed for them and hasn't seen them healed. You'd all raise your hand. I'd raise my hand thousands of times. It doesn't give me the right to dictate who God is because of my experience. Jesus is the truth about God, period, full stop. No question marks, full stop. Let's read one more verse and we'll close. I've just got some, I've taken these off um, a friend of ours blog. These are awesome. I'll just read them out to you and then we'll turn to Matthew uh, 13. If everything is God, then why do we have a sword and a shield and power and authority? If everything is God, then why, do we, why did he tell us to bind and loose according to heaven's design? If everything is God, why has he given the earth to the sons of men? If everything is God, why do we have the power of life and death in our tongues? If everything is God, why do we reap what we sow? If everything is God, then why, do, why are people destroyed for a lack of knowledge? If everything is God, why do we speak to the mountain if God wants it to move? If everything is God, then why even go to the hospital to be healed? If everything is God, why make a request of God? If everything is God, then why did Jesus say that if we abide in his word, we would know the truth and the truth would set us free? If everything is God, if, if God the Father was sovereignly responsible for all the sick people in the Gospels, then why was God the Son healing them all? If we come to the conclusion, this is me, if we come to the conclusion that everything is God, we have to attribute Hitler, rape, murder, every destruction on the planet. We have to attribute it to God. And I don't know about you, but that's a God that is very hard to get to know. And I wouldn't want to come boldly into his throne room and sit on dad's lap. 
But if we know what he's like, we, can not, we don't have to question his, his will. We can know his will. All right, Matthew, go to Matthew 6, 11, sorry. And we will close. Oh, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the best definition of the will of God we have. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew 13 and Luke 4, you know, Jesus comes and he reads Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captive, set prisoners free, recovery of sight to the blind, and to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord. In Isaiah it says, In the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus closes the book, he sits down and it says, And all marveled at the grace-filled words that were coming out of Jesus' mouth. And then it says that they went into unbelief and they couldn't do any mighty miracles there except Jesus laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, it's been taught many times that well, their unbelief shut down the miraculous of God. I don't think we can, I don't think we can do that. We can't shut down the miraculous of God. We don't, we're, we're powerful, but we're not that powerful. <laughs> but what a lot of theologians will tell us is that they used to bring the sick people to the rabbi or to the whoever. And if we have a perspective or a lens on which we view God through, then it stops us from coming to God in a way that we can. And so they wouldn't bring many sick people to him, but he could still lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Do you see the difference? So they wouldn't bring the sick. They'd be like, well, he can't do anything because it's Joseph's son. It's Mary's son. And says they went into unbelief because of their familiarity. I don't want us to go into such familiarity in our walk and our daily walk with the Lord that we that we never we never stop learning and growing in the nature and who God is, that you and I now have been grafted into the promises of God. We've been grafted into the commonwealth of God. We've been the predestination happened with the Jews and now you and I have been brought in and adopted in crying Abba Father we've been grafted into all of those promises that God um, predestined for the Jews now you and I have access to those promises and I never want us to get familiar with Jesus or familiar with God familiar with Holy Spirit in such a way that we don't continue to discover who who and what he's like I don't ever want to go, oh, I know everything I need to know about Jesus and that's it. I'm going to camp here and settle here. No, there's an, he's so big. Like, let's explore what he's like. He's not this rigid, like, God in a box, man. He just blows our, he blows our minds. And I just want to fight for that. I want to grab a bunch of hungry people and say, let's fight for the goodness of God to be manifested in Lilydale. Let's fight. I mean, just, I think about these things. You can ask my wife. These are the things I think about. What would Lilydale look like to be sickness-free? I'm not saying that as a cute statement. Laws are good. You get 100,000, 200,000 people starting to live radical for Jesus. We won't need to change the laws. They'll be like, what the heck's going on in Melbourne? You start, to get, you start to get a couple of million people know their identity and know who God is and know the goodness of God. You'll see marriages stay together. You'll see abortion rate drop. You'll see crime rate drop. You'll see all of these things start to drop. Why? Because the presence of God and the goodness of God is what leads people to repentance. 
Right, why don't you stand? <clears throat> Just a light, light Sunday message, hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I've never pulled a joint out of... If I, if I warn my kids, hey, don't touch the oven. It's just not good. It's hot. Don't put your arm in there. And they do it. Have I been a bad father? No. What am I, what, what I going to do? I'm going to, every good parent in this room who has kids is going to run that hand under hot, hot, cold water. It's going to bandage it up. It's going to put an ice pack on it. He's going to pray for it. I want to see that healed. And I remember talking to this guy years ago, years and years ago. And his son was sick and we just, we just had this conversation going and he was in our, one of our churches. And he said, Liam, my son's sick. And he's like, I'm, I've prayed, I've prayed. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. Let's keep praying. Let's keep fighting. He said, but God hasn't healed him. I said, oh, God paid for it all on the cross. He, he wants your son well. He said, oh, but maybe he's, you know, whatever. And, and I said, and anyway, I, I knew this guy pretty well and I provoked him on purpose. And I provoked him to the point of where he said, Liam, you don't know. I would die for my son to be well. And I just smiled at him. And I said, oh, you, you'll, you'll be all right. And he just started to bawl his eyes out. Because he got it. He got it. He's like, that's what Jesus did. That's what God, he's died. And he got what you and I deserved so that we get what he deserved. He, he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly in this world. Yeah, we're going to go to heaven one day, whatever that looks like. And, uh, and this guy's, his son got healed. His son got healed. He was fine. But he got it. And even if he didn't, he got to that place in his life where he went, oh, he's just such a good father, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I could tell you stories, and I thought about it today. I thought I could tell you testimony after testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness and kindness in our own personal life. And... But he's just better than you think. He's just better than you think of the best person you know and times that by a billion. He's that good. And if you don't know what he's like, it's found in the life of Jesus. Next year, I am going to do a series on covenants and explain a little bit of some of the things as to why God seems like he's a manipulative, angry uh man and and that we can actually bring bring clarity to this in the old testament and and explain it reasonably well i don't know everything but um we do have understanding of it so all right put your hand on your heart is there anyone sick in this room right now just raise your hand Anyone? A couple of you. If you're around them, just lay hands on them. Holy Spirit, right now we pray complete healing. We just command whatever is, whatever infirmity, whatever disease, whatever sickness, it would just leave in the name of Jesus. It doesn't belong. It's not your will. It's not your design. We command it to go right now in Jesus' name. We just command depression and anxiety to leave this room. We command any sickness. We command any fear just to go because perfect love would cast out all fear. Perfect love wouldn't keep a little bit of fear so that it can teach you to be afraid. Perfect love would cast it out so you can live free.
And I just remove right now any guilt or condemnation or shame because that's not a part of your kingdom either, God. Anything where we haven't seen something take place, that God, you would begin to reveal to us as a church, as a community, your goodness and your kindness. And we will begin to take take down those principalities and powers of the air, those origin spirits in our world would begin to leave. And there'd be an army of believers that would believe that you are so good that you can multiply food, you can raise the dead, you can see the blind see, you can make the deaf hear, you can make the lame walk, that you can cast out demons, that we have all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the sons of men that we have the keys of the kingdom back and it's time, I'm just going to prophesy church to us, it is time to not just grab a hold of the keys and go, I've got the keys and I hope that something good happens. It's time to unlock the doors. It's time to start to put those keys into action and actually do something with those keys. It's start to pray into those keys, start to activate the principalities and powers of the air and start to tear them down. Start to bring down heaven with your prayers. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God, that it's your will that none should perish. And so we just declare that people would, um, people would stop perishing, that they would know about the eternal love of Jesus, that, that as Andrew just so beautifully demonstrates for us day after day, that we would stop for the one. We would, we would say, Jesus loves you. Has anyone told you that Jesus loves you today? All right, put your hand on your heart. And Father, help us, help us who need it most to have clarity of vision of who you are, that we would see it in the life of your son, that you would begin to illuminate scriptures to us like we've never seen before, that the miraculous would become normal, that good works would become normal, that doing good for others would be normal because it's a byproduct of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you stuck with me for a few extra minutes there. That was the uh, preacher's close. Well done.